0: What's happening everybody? It's Gear and Ben back again. I know we had last week off, but we just released three episodes though. Kind of a lot of work for us, so thank you for your patience. And we're coming back this week with a mega episode. We're going to be covering three films, the Renoni Kenshin films, and they are based off of a manga of the same name. Um, We are going to be covering the live action one from 2012 and then the beginning and the final that were released to Netflix in 2021. Ben, kind of tell me how you came across these movies.
1: So I was on Netflix and I saw the fact that these uh, Ruriri Keshin movies were there. And we've been doing a lot of international films, so I thought it'd be interesting to do this one.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. So I really enjoyed it. I had not heard of it. I had not seen it. I don't really engage with a lot of manga. I know it's wildly popular. I know a lot of things come from it, and I and I want to get more into it because a lot of it is really cool. It's a lot of horror based, a lot of action based. I know they have romance ones as well, but we're just seeing a really big uptick in it right now. So it's cool to be on trend and following what people are watching.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Like we we do a lot of like people giving us references the movies referrals and this one wasn't a referral but we want to trend to like you know other movies like from we do a lot of indie movies we'd like to do a lot of Japan Korea
0: so we're we're branching out yeah and it's exciting because with this branch out like we always say we're watching way more than we thought we ever would and i think it's really exciting because with new films and from different places you get a lot of new perspectives and i know like I get sick of the American perspective of films a lot of the time, so I love watching. I love watching things like this, especially a movie like this where it a lot of it is action based. I haven't been watching a lot of action films lately, so it was fun. It kind of was like getting me back into it. I was having a really good time, and the scene, like we were talking a little bit off screen, and the sequences of action are crazy. They're wicked fun.
1: Yeah, the the action scenes are just amazing. The fight scenes with the katanas and the blades—it just like spectacular and if you get a chance to watch it you're going to be like breathtaking i used to watch this show when i was young called kung fu theater and there was a lot of like fake action and but for me back then that was really cool cuz like that was the special effects i saw so like it was really good seeing this now if they could have done that back then it would have been 10 times better and i would have been like enthralled with this type of movie
0: oh i totally see that what i like about films like this in and watching it and doing some research about it is you can see where they pull directly from like the manga or like the anime because like some scenes are set up like so fantastically that you're like, oh, like, yeah, we have to <laughs> suspend what we believe to like have this work. Like, there's one scene in the 2012 tension film where the police officer like literally like flies through the air and like knocks over a chandelier to fall on the villain's like machine gun. And it is just so funny to me. I also really like like the costuming and how they make these characters feel like they've come to life through reading. Um, because like I had said, I have not re- read the manga, but through reading about the films, I do know that in the 2021, the final, they had changed a lot of it to fit. And I think it's because they broke it up into two parts. So I think I watched these films out of order because I did watch the beginning first, and then I watched the final s- solely on names alone. And the beginning was a prequel, but I liked. And I thought it kind of was overshadowed by the final because the battle scenes in that one was better. But I think you do have to watch both of them to get that full love story between Kenshin and Tomio, yeah. or Tomi. I'm so sorry if I pronounce it wrong.
1: Yeah, so the story of this is his, Kenshin is an assassin named Batasa. He is the ultimate killer. Like He is sent out during the Shogun Wars to kill Shoguns. He gets a hit list and he goes and he assassinates Whoever the, the the person is that's supposed to be assassinated, and this falls into play with him, where he ends up getting three cuts on uh, two cuts on his face, and it's a big part of the movie because the two cuts absolutely represent something that's very very dear to him.
0: And what I thought was interesting too about the cuts, watching the beginning first, was that they make they make a reference to it in the beginning when he's training at the camp, when they're like no one can ever touch him, no one can ever hurt him, he's never been cut before, he's never had any violence like any physical like like violence done to him even though he is like this massive samurai and I think the message of having love affect him is so powerful and so deep because I do think love is one of the forces that affects us all I mean it's in every song we listen to it's in every movie everyone thinks about it I mean the idea of romantic love is part of like I think the human condition so I think to have that sort of and, and and not just romantic love, because we also explore like friendship love and familial love all throughout this, but romantic love specifically in relation to Kenshin is something he's never felt. So to have these two cuts on him and to have it really affect him, I think is so powerful. And I think we're we we'll get into the the origins of the cuts and the history of them, but I think the second one was so much more powerful to oh, yeah. me. Oh yeah.
1: hundred percent. It was it was more emotional and it, it meant more.
0: Exactly. But you couldn't have the second without the first. No. Like you needed both of them. That's um, why they crossed. That I know, I loved yep. it. So like we've said, Barrosai when he is his in his assassin persona of Barrosai, he is incredibly stoic, quiet. All he does is fight and kind of wander around. And then, obviously, when the wars are done, he does not want to fight. He abandons it to become a protective wanderer. Yes. And that I really liked. I thought that was actually really cool because we see this a lot, like, assassin with the heart of gold who's looking for a new life, who wants to protect the innocent. It's something that we see quite often. So I thought, I mean, I love an archetype, so I was very much into this. So Kenshin or Barosai, we will switch between the two depending on where he is in his journey, I believe. So in the beginning we see him as Barosai and he is his assassin and he actually has to flee. And he when he flees, because he has killed him he has killed many people, but the one man that affected him the most is he was assassinating people in an alleyway and he kills one man and the one man says, I cannot die. I have someone who loves me. And it is the perseverance of this one man's love that is keeping him alive that affects Barosai so much. I mean, he kills, he slashes him so many times. And this man just screams out, I cannot die of someone who loves me. I cannot die of someone who loves me. And eventually throughout this, in in his attempts to fend off Barosai and to live, he actually slashes him in the face, this being the first cut. And this affects him. So we don't see it in the beginning. So we're going to talk about three films interchangeably because they all relate to each other. But we don't see it in the beginning, but we see it in Kenshin from 2012 when he actually goes back to the site and he watches the widow back to him, obviously back to him hidden. He sees the widow of this man come crying over his body and, and just weeping and leaving and taking it. And this really affects him. He's, he does not see the woman's face though. And this is important later on. So then he has to go into hiding because he's killing all the people. They're cracking down on him. And when he goes into hiding, before, during this, he meets a young woman who works within the community, Tomi or Tomei. I'm, I'm so sorry if I pronounce it wrong. And they meet and their, their cover is that they are going to live as a married couple in the village, yes. in the countryside. And while they're living in the countryside, they fall in love and actually get married. Yes. Because, of course, you're going to... There, there has to be a love story, right? Yes. What we don't know about Tomei at the time is that she is actually a spy. And she, her only goal and her only mission in life is to kill Badosai. Because... Rega is ready for the twist. She is the widow, of course. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> so now it is her life's mission to entrap this man and kill him. But what happens... The power of love. So obviously she cannot kill him because she has fallen in love with him. Yes. And this is revealed when she sacrifices herself to save him in the final battle, but instead he accidentally kills her. Yes. Devastating. Yes. And as he as they're saying their goodbyes, her sword or draws across his face, creating that second cut intercrossing with the one that her first husband has made. Yes. And in the final, when he's talking to her brother Enjin, we find out that obviously she has not, in in the brother's mind, she has not forgiven him from beyond the grave because the scars are still visible on his face. Right. He thinks that they're going to go away if she forgives him. Only the brother thinks this. Kenshin does not. So then when Enjin and Kenshin are battling, and I do like their final battle, I do think it is really important because you can see how far hatred will bring you versus how far love will bring you. And I think this is a really big point of the film. Yeah, and it's offset hatred. Offset hatred, exactly. Because he believes that the sister hated him, Mm -hmm. and he can't find it in
1: his heart to believe that she actually loved him. Because the diary, there's a diary by the way, she kept a diary of all she was doing against Kenshin, and, and ends up like switching in the diary at the ending, where she actually admits, I actually love this man who took my first love, And now I'm in love with this man. I can't let him die because he has a purpose and he's going to save more lives than he will kill.
0: And I think this scene where the brother... So the brother gets captured, obviously, gets thrown into prison. And then when the brother is then reading the diary and he's reading all this and having this realization... And kind of watching that like breakdown on his face, I think is so powerful because I think, I think as humans, we are arrogant a lot of the time in thinking that we know everything and that we know another person, but we don't. I mean, you, you don't know what anyone is truly thinking or doing something that I've grown up with and something I always think about is that people are some of their actions, not of their words. And I think that this is so true because we see her sacrifice herself for him. Yes. And then, and then through that action, we see her true love for him, I believe. Yeah. And the thing about Kenshin
1: is after he leaves, like it's 10 years after the, the wars, and he comes back. But when he comes back, he had made a blade and it's a reverse blade where the, the blade's actually facing inward so he can't kill anybody. And he refuses to kill anybody. He's like, I'm not going to kill anybody. And there's a lot of people that come and try and kill him because of the fact he was sai and he was one of the best swordsmen in the world. So everybody wants to challenge him. Everybody's going to try and become the best swordsman in the world. Like there's numerous attempts to kill this man and he won't kill these people. Like and no matter what they do, he tries way he finds ways during the battles to injure them but not kill them.
0: And I think one of my favorite examples of this is in Kenshin twenty twelve when he's fighting who I forget his name, but in my head I call him Ghost Bodhisai because he comes back to life with like the little weird contacts and and while they're fighting He actually does a move where he injures his tendons and breaks his elbow so he just can't battle anymore. His arm will never heal the same. And the guy goes, you should kill me. And then Kenshin actually almost does because he thinks that this new girl that he has feelings for is about to die. Yeah. And then she screams out in her what we think would be her final breath, no, you're better than this. And he's like, oh damn, I am. (laughs) Yeah, so
1: like, uh, after the whole Tomei thing, he ends up showing up at this village, and there's a big battle, and he ends up like kind of taking care of a school teacher, and she's a she's a swordsman school teacher. Yes, and she's really good. Yeah, she is and, a fighter, and her, she has a a pupil there, a young boy who becomes obsessed with Batusai.
0: Oh my god! And there, I will say their friendship yeah. is so cute. Yeah,
1: they have a great friendship, and then he has he ends up at the village. There's a guy that, that wants to have him killed, and he says, "Look, I'll pay you money for the first person that kills this man." So this guy steps up and he says, "I'll do it." The then, raw
0: egg guy. Yeah. So
1: funny. So then he ends up like Botasai and him have like a little battle, and he has this big, huge sword, like it's this monster of a sword, and him and Botasai fight. But then he says to Botasai, "He's like, you know, I'm getting tired," and Botasai says, "Listen, there's another way. You don't have to do this. You can be better than." He goes, you're going to let this man control you and, and control everything you do, or you're going to be your own person. So he ends up becoming best friends with Bodhisattva.
0: And they actually work side by side together. And I will say, in 2012, that in that film, he actually has one of my favorite fight scenes. He is fighting one of the henchmen. And he goes, oh, we're going to do no-weapons no street fighter style. So they're just fighting each other throughout the whole house. And then they get to the point where they get into the kitchen and he literally stops fighting to eat chicken. Yeah. And then he throws the chicken to the other guy and he's like, oh, you want some? And the guy's like, no, I'm a vegetarian, blesses the chicken. And then they both drink wine together just in the middle of this fight. Yeah. And I thought that was so funny. Yeah, it was and like just
1: I thought the part of that is Japanese battles where they respect each other as as competitors. They, yes. They're, they're not they, they don't hate each other. They they just want. They be have better. to do their duty. Yeah, it's a, it's a duty. Exactly what it is. It's a duty. No one hates Bodhisattva. Like, and many of them even say, I respect this person because he is the best at what he does, but I want to be the best. Exactly. And they want to take that title. Like, There's a um, couple of the members of this group called the Ten Swords. They were big shoguns during the battle of where they're trying to liberate Japan from like, having a shogun system to a uh, government system. But the Ten Swords are shoguns, and they're very, very, very good swordsmen. And they kind show of. up very they show up numerous times throughout all these movies. They find different ways to fight and you know the last movie, the one guy, everybody thinks he's gonna kill Bodasai, and he's like, you know what? He beat me and I wanna help him. So he ends up fighting like this gang of people that are in the house with him with Bodasai, and the fight scene is absolutely amazing because the choreograph between the two people working together, Bodasai and this guy is amazing.
0: It's unreal. And I love that scene. And then at the end, he lets Barisai leave and he, and Barisai's like, are you sure? He's like, dude, I got this. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and I really, I really liked it. And I think, again, it shows what war can do to people and what sides you're on and how we're all just not, I mean, in this regret, in this aspect of this fictional story, not in real war. Yeah. But I think it shows a lot of how people think and their mentalities of like, oh, I'm just here to do my duty. I'm just here to fight. And then once they get to know the people on the other side, they're like, oh, we are brothers. We are the same. And I do respect you. Let me fight by your side. And I think that's the power of tension is that he is so good and so pure that people want to fight with him and they want to join him. Yeah. Because he has a noble cause versus everyone else who does not have a noble cause.
1: Yeah, like the brother, the brother after Tomei dies, flees to China. And, and to become a mob man. Yeah, he becomes a Chinese mob boss. And he brings back a group of assassins. from they're, Ch- they're, they're Japanese assassins, but they're, like, these assassins that have, like, all these unique weapons. Like, one has a cannon on his arm. One has these claws. I mean, they're, like, brutal killers. And they, they don't care who they kill. Bodhisai doesn't want to hurt people. But these people are just, like, they blow up the, the restaurant they eat at. They, like, kill the townsfolk. They just don't care. And then people come to Bodhisai's aid to help him. Was that the defenders of the sword? Yeah, they come and they end up helping them. It's it's really really good.
0: We are covering three movies in one, and they all go very much together. But it is an epic story, yes. I think, of this one hero. I do love a hero's journey. Yeah. I do think it's very important, especially when we see one who sort of starts as a villain and then, or it, it is villainized, yeah. and then you see they really have a heart of gold. I mean, in I think it's in 2012. I okay, so I'm talking about 2012 a lot because this one was my favorite of the three. Yeah. I thought it was really good. I liked the story of it. But I love when he's just like they think he, he is Bodhisai, but some Koria, who the woman that he who runs the studio, they ends up falling in love with, mistakes him for Badasai. and they have this like very funny fight while he's just like trying to eat like sesame like rice cakes yeah. and she's just like beating him with a stick. It's I think it's very cool because it just shows that, like, he could have defended himself at any point, and he doesn't want to. He just wants to help. Right. Because there is a fake Bodhisattva. Because there is. The this, ghost Bodhisattva.
1: Yeah. He goes around, he's killing people, and they're like, Bodhisattva. And that's one of the reasons it brings him out of, his like, basically hiding. He's hiding because he doesn't want to deal with it. He's like, I, I don't want to beat Bodhisattva no more. I don't want to be a killer. I don't want to continue doing this stuff. But this guy is going around saying he's Bodhisattva and he's killing people. He's killing innocent people. Innocent and, people. And... He swore he'd never do that. So he's like basically defaming
0: his name. So he comes forward and he's like, you know what? I can't let this happen no more. And then he ends up not killing him, but making sure he can never duel again. Yeah. Which I think for someone like that, for a samurai, it's kind of like a fate worse than death because this is the one thing you know, this is the one thing that you have. I mean, and we see how dedicated this man is to becoming Bodasai. There's a whole scene where he's burning an effigy of idols to try to become him it's very intense he has like o- almost like supernatural abilities where he can stop people from breathing from fear and like paralyzation so you can tell that like he is just focused and more into the killing and the torturing side of people whereas Bodasai is like I'm just good at this yeah
1: and there's there's a part in the final where he fights the guy with the cannon yes and he ends up beating him and like he cuts his, other, he cuts his arm off not the cannon arm. Not the cannon arm, but the other arm. And then the guy's like, look, you got to kill me because I need an honorable death. I'm a samurai. You've got to kill me because the only way I can go forward is to have an honorable
0: death. And he walks away. He walks away because he's like, you're, you're not wor-. he Because his, his motivation of not killing is so strong that he will never do it. Right. And he doesn't care about the fact that this guy's begging him. He's like, look, I don't care. He's like,
1: I get it. And, you know, he understands being a shogun. He's a shogun himself. But he uh, he swore an oath to never kill again. And he's going to live up to it. And he walks away. He's like, look, I'm sorry, but I got to do what I got to do for me.
0: Exactly. And I think having this strong sense of self and, like, strong sense of, like, duty and strong sense of loyalty to the pledges you make is something that is so rich and so embedded in Japanese culture. It is just not something that you see here in America. Like, you do not see... People dedicated to themselves the way that Bodasai is dedicated to himself and his own improvement. No, and there's a part,
1: so in the final, there's a part where Tomei's brother comes to the school, and there's a big fight, and Bodasai's friend, the one with the sword, fights Tomei's brother, and he gets destroyed by Tomei's brother, like, basically, like, should be dead, like, when Bodasai comes, Tomei's brother had stole the girl, the teacher, left this guy for dead, like, and... Batesai is like, what is going on? He's like, oh my god, you know. And so this guy's laying in a bed, like wrapped up. That he's being like, you know, fed juice because he's like can't eat because he's so beat up. But later on, when they're having this big battle, and Bautisai is like fighting, he comes to help Bautisai. He runs in as hurt as he is, as destroyed as he is, to help this person for justice.
0: For justice. And I think, and I think having that strong sense of like right and wrong is so embedded in this film because everyone is living by their own their own code and their own idea of what their of how to live their best, most dutiful life. Yeah. I think one of the reasons like for
1: the reverse sword is at first he had the anger pointing out towards people. And now he has the anger. He has the anger pointing in.
0: And I think, I think this is shown the best again in 2012 when he's fighting the police officer and the police officer is actually cutting him with his own sword and he refuses to fight back and he yeah. refuses to do anything. He's like, I will not do this. He's like, you're only hurting yourself. And I think that shows that he is fit like atoning constantly for what he's done. Yeah.
1: And the officer. So at the I end do like of the, the officer. The is cool. So at the end of the war, like there's a big fight scene and they're fighting and then all of a sudden the flag comes up and the battle's over. And so Bodasai's like, we won. And, like, the officer's like, I don't care. He's not an officer at the time. He's a shogun. He's like, I don't care. We're finishing this. I'm going to kill you. We're getting this on. And Bodasai puts the sword into the ground and walks away. So the officer later on comes. He becomes an officer. And he fights Bodasai. And he's like, remember me? I was going to kill you. And, like, the officer ends up, because of Bodasai's ways, becoming friends with Bodasai.
0: Yeah, I mean, he helps them at the end when they storm the, like, compound of the villain. Yeah. He protects him. He flies through the air, cuts the chandelier off. Yeah. Hilarious. Also, that villain, I forget his name, was so funny to me with, like, his underbite and yeah. his, like, sweaty hair. There's one scene the in... The Gatling gun. <laughs> yeah. It is unreal. There's one scene in the beginning when the police officer comes to talk to him for the first time, and he's just, like, soaking his feet and, like, eating a watermelon. And it is like the most unhinged thing I've ever seen. And I was just dying laughing. I don't know. I thought it was so funny. Because then like you see him at the end. You see how like money and power. He had no loyalty and he had no duty. He just wanted money and power. And you see that at the end when he's like begging the officers. He's like, oh, I'll pay you. I'll pay you like. And even Bodasai says it. Oh, I forget in which one because I watched them all like back to back to back. But he goes, money can buy you everything except for what you're begging for, which is life. And I think that's so true. Like we live our lives under this capitalistic society of like, oh, we need more this. We need that. We need to be the most successful. We need money. We need power. We need whatever we need. That's not. But that's not living. That's not life. No, Tomei says that about Bodasai
1: because when he's gardening, and making garden, like, pulling out plants and stuff. Like, the look on his face, he's, like, so happy and so at peace. And she's, like, I never saw that expression on you before. And she's, like, See, that's true happiness. And, like, he even says to her, he goes, I never knew true happiness till the moments I've been here with you.
0: Which is beautiful. Yeah. And I was just crying. Yeah.
1: When she cuts him, she doesn't cut him to hurt him. Like, it's more of, like, a... Like a reminder. Yeah, it's like a reminder. She's, leave- she's dying. She's in his arms. And she takes a katana and she gently, not harsh, presses it against his face. So it makes an indentation against, uh, across the other one that her husband or ex fiance that died did. So it's like a reminder, like, you know, these these are the sins you have, but you don't have to live with these sins.
0: You don't. And and I think by her sacrificing herself for, to him, like for him and then him accidentally killing her. I think I think that had to happen, though, because that was that was the catalyst that made him never kill again. Yeah. You kill the one thing you love, you're never going to kill again.
1: Yeah. And the school teacher like, is in love with, with Bada or, or Kenshin. And there's a part where they go to her grave, like mm-hmm. Tomei's grave. And you know she, she, she's like messed up because she knows he's still in love with Tomei. And then when they walk away, he's like, what did you ask Tomei? And she's like, I just wanted to thank her. And he's like, me too. And she's like, yeah. And he's like, "And I wanted to say goodbye. you know? And I, I thought that was beautiful because it was like his way of telling her, I love you too.
0: And I agree with that. And I think having that closure and having them move fo- and having him be able to move forward from that moment is so important because to me, that's what the whole final film is about, is about two people who, one, uh, one incident that has affected two people and how they decide to move forward from that moment. Kenshin, obviously um, a way of peace, trying to restart his life, trying to find love. And Enninshin, who has nothing but hatred and this one goal of yeah. killing.
1: And if you watch this, you're going to see the part where he kills her fiancé, and he kills him, like, five times.
0: But he doesn't die because of the love. Because of
1: the love. And I think that love fills Kenshin at the end from Tomei. So he, I believe so. He actually now is in love and knows what it is to have love, where before, when he was Bodicei,
0: he didn't. Yeah, he didn't know what love was. That's why he was this killing machine, because he, no, he had no connection to other people, yeah. he had connection to duty, yeah. and and that's not connection because that's not life. Like we had talked about earlier, love is love is one of the things we need for life. Everyone everyone craves companionship. No one wants to be lonely. And I think if you're alone for so long and you just have duty, you don't you don't realize what you need. Yeah. And Tomei helped Kenshin re- realize what he needed, and then through that he was able to fully love Coria. I agree. And then his handler during the, the wars, when his wife
1: is looking at Bodhisattva, she goes, He looks so sad. And his handler goes, He acts like he's stone. He goes, But deep down inside, he's lonely and sad. Yes. And um, then, like you could see later, as the, the mo- as the shows progress each movie, you see the progression of where he's no longer lonely and sad. He builds himself a family around him with um, the little boy, the school teacher. The, the ex- The ex-fighter. Yes, and also the ex-opiate girl yep. that was building, the, that had the, the opiates, opium. and they free him, or Magmooma. her rather. Megumi. Yeah. yeah, so She like, was cool, too. Yeah, I liked her, too. She's really funny, especially when, like, she makes fun of the guy that's um, with the big sword. Yeah. She's always smacking him around. Like, they kind of had, like, a little playful little flirtation. Yeah. So, it was, like, if you get a chance to watch all
0: three movies, definitely watch all three movies, because they are really good. But there's actually five movies. Oh, is it five? So there's... Okay, so this is what was confusing to me, and I had to do so much research. So only three of the movies are on Netflix, but there are two other ones that oh. are not on Netflix. Oh, okay. Um, have not watched them, could not find them. Did I look that hard? Not really, because I was already six hours in, yeah. <laughs> and I was like... I was like, at this point, I feel like I'm fluent in Japanese. Like, right. I was... So, but just so you guys know, there are two... This is one of five. There are five films. We are just covering the three. And honestly, I liked that we covered these three because I felt like they all went
1: hand in hand. Oh, yeah. They definitely... Like, you had to watch all three of these to get the full concept and growth of Kenshin.
0: Of Kenshin. And I think I think because beginning and final were released at the same time on Netflix, the final kind of overshadows the beginning because the fight, there's more fight scenes. It is much more action based because the beginning you're you're watching him fall in love. You're watching his heart soften, obviously still violence, obviously still killing. Um, It is a samurai film, but it it, I think it got overshadowed. I really do. Yeah. And these are anime.
1: So, like, well, they're not anime. These are actually they're like, live, action, live action. But they're based off an anime series. So if you if you like anime, I haven't watched them, but I hear they're amazing. But so these movies definitely, definitely are amazing.
0: Yeah. And, I mean, we could be, like, I know that there's a lot of people who talk about, like, animated live action adaption and how it doesn't really go well. I would say for us, not reading or watching the manga or anime, it worked for us. Because we still got the full story. And the characters were still so well written. Yes. And like I said, I do know that they changed a lot of the battle scenes and a lot of things from the second, from the final, from the manga. Don't know what they changed. But I know that there were changes. Um, I was reading that people were not happy with that. But I, for me, it made the story flow. So maybe do one and then the other. Yeah. It's like for me,
1: I read George R. R. Martin's uh, Game of Thrones. Right. I read them. So... When the shows come out, if people didn't actually read the books, the shows were amazing. For me, there was a lot missing from the shows. The, the shows. Except I really did like the, the the Red Wedding. That was awesome. But that's the same thing. I guess like for the people that read the anime, they're probably like, Well, wait a minute, well wait a minute. But for me I never seen like never read the anime, so for me this was just awesome.
0: Yeah. And so I am not a Lord of I'm not Lord of the Rings. I'm not a Game of Thrones girly. I so I would not know. I don't get what you're saying. But yeah. I understand Adaption to live action. Yeah, I will say, I love watching things get, I mean, we see it more and more. We see a lot of things getting adapted from books and other medias to film. Super important, super fun. But I also want to talk about the idea of creation of new ideas. And I think if you guys can really read up on the actors and the writer's strike that's going on right now, it is wildly important. Without writers, without actors, we would not have the media that we have and to have them be controlled by these major conglomerates and not get paid is really heartbreaking because these production houses would not exist without these writers. 100%. And I think it's devastating that they are not being shown their worth. I do want to talk about this just briefly. We are a film podcast, and we do want to say our support to the writers, and we are with you percent. Oh, hundred I just think it's super important and I think when you look at things I know it just came out that Disney acquired a bunch of back when they Disney did their giant merger uh, they acquired a bunch of smaller streaming services and now that they are now they want to sell them for nothing for a tax break which I think is disgusting and media and stories and things like this should not be bought and sold they should be celebrated and shared with the people because that, that's who they're for I mean yes media is a huge money maker. Film is huge right now. TV is huge right now. But these sh- these stories are what connects us in a way where especially during the pandemic we saw we were all isolated. Yep. 100%. And it was not fun. And it was not fun and now I love like and now we have things coming out of isolation and we have like these stories about like trying to connect. Obviously this film the tension that we're talking about 2012 came out a while ago, but the 2021's one's very much so, and I think it's really I, I think it's really important. I think it's really sad, and I and I believe that media is for everyone, and everyone should have access to it because this is how you broaden your horizons. We're watching things through this podcast, through you guys, through all this media that we would never interact with. Yes, and that's what's important. And obviously, we have the luxury where we are able to pay for these streaming services to have them, but not everyone does. Nope, nope. Other countries do not have this, so. Uh, it's a privilege for us and we don't I don't think we appreciate it
1: as much as we should
0: I don't think i i and I totally agree because like I'll just throw things like we just consume so much that we it we take it for granted but these are people's lives and this is people's livelihoods and for them to give us so much joy and so much entertainment they should be compensated for it and it is heartbreaking that they are not
1: I agree hundred percent and I would like to say that uh, in support of other nations film industries we are doing like films from like Nigeria, Ghana, France. So we're, we're, we're broadening out to like touch all the, the, the movie industries because like each country has like their own individual movie system and they're amazing. Like there's so many good films that don't hit American soil or like Americans don't really watch because they're not American, but they are, some of them are way better than what America puts out.
0: Oh, absolutely. I would highly, highly recommend you guys to look into the Criterion Collection which is a which is a company that uh, preserves and restores and also and takes movies from all over and holds them and keeps them. I would also look at Mumbi, great international streamers, places like Neon, also super good, super good. These are just some production houses that you guys can support and look into because they do support films outside of America, which I think is so important for those Park Chan Wu fans. They are doing a 20-year restoration of Old Boy, which is going to be released August 16th into theaters for one day. I would highly recommend everyone going and supporting this great, great film. Do not watch the American remake. I will never, ever support an American remake. Uh, 100% agree. So back back to Kenshin. Sorry, sorry that we went on a small little tangent. We um, do that a lot. We do, do that a lot, as you know. <laughs> But back to this film, we watched all three on Netflix. Highly would recommend them if you want some like fun action that has that has a hero with a heart of gold. I mean, most heroes do have a heart of gold, but I mean, he is so pure.
1: (laughs) He really is. He turns into like like this guy that you kind of want to be.
0: Yeah. And I and I just love his like dedication to himself, because I think a lot of the times either in real life or in films, we see people compromise their ideals and compromise who they are. And compromise what they stand for to get what they want. And one thing about him is he is so unwavering in his integrity. And he never compromises. There's only one time that we see that he is about to kill. And he does it again for love. But then he stops. Well, he doesn't stop himself. He gets stopped. Yes.
1: And and saves his purity.
0: And saves his purity. Which helps him grow stronger. Grow in his love with Coria. and, And just continue to move forward. So. We have some really fun, exciting films coming up. Uh, like Ben had said, we are—we always branch out. We're going to stay away from American-made films for a little bit. We are going to be covering *Drive My Car*, *Petite Maman*, *God Is African*. We have a bunch that we're covering, um, all in the all up and coming. So keep your eyes peeled. Again, always give us suggestions. Um, we try to get to as many as possible. It is just the two of us, and there are only so many hours in a day. But we love them, even if we don't cover them here. We are still watching them and still enjoying them. So please, please, please continue to do that, because we can't do what we do without you guys, and we really appreciate it.
1: 100, uh, and uh, you know, special shout out to Ghana and Nigeria for having us in their uh, charts for the movie uh, podcast.
0: Oh, very exciting! Thank you guys so much for listening. Yep, so we appreciate that. Uh, yeah, we really appreciate you guys. We say it all the time, but. Our d- gratitude for you is undying because we could not do this without you guys. If so, it would just be Ben and I talking at ourselves and we could just do that together without yeah. sharing. This is true. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Check out these films. We have a lot more coming. Reach out to us, DM us, email us. We're, we're here for you guys. I agree, 100%. So catch us next time on What's Happening.